is a special player. He doesn't get nearly the recognition across the league that he deserves. His competitive attitude is contagious. Awesome guy to be a teammate with. So we just have to do our job up front because we know there's going to be some separation on the outside and there's going to be some great runs by Dalvin and Alex in the backfield. It's a lot of fun to work with these guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 63 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast and welcome to the first victory episode of MVP so far this season. The Minnesota Vikings get a 31-23 win down in Houston, Texas, and we're now 1-3. We're going to break down the Texans game. We're going to look forward to the oft-difficult Seattle game uh, and helping me do all of those things from Vikings.com, Chris Corso and Jay Nelson. And boys, I said something in last week's episode that I think proved to have some reality in it. And it was those first two games of the season were such specifically difficult circumstances that I don't know that you could really get a handle on who this team was. And I was curious if the Titans game was going to be a more realistic representation of where this team's at and the things that they need to work on. And this Houston game, they get their first win. It felt a lot like that Titans game without us letting it slip through our fingers, Chris. Absolutely. It was, I mean, what we wanted in this game was time of possession. And the Vikings finally had a lead in time of possession with their opponent, 36-31 of the game. I mean, that is what we were waiting for. We were waiting for a positive start from the team, a good second quarter from the team. All things that hadn't happened the first three weeks happened in this game, and, and that's why they were able to hold on and win. I love – I don't know why it just made me laugh, but when you said of the game, that made me laugh. It sounded like uh, – you know when you see like those college reporters for their college team doing the sports news, and they're like, and in time of possession, the LSU Tigers, 31, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, 28, of the game. <laughs> I, might, I might really try to get of the game started. Jay, did this feel like uh, – did this feel like a continuation of the Texans game? but with a positive trend on it, seeing as we were able to hold on to the lead and we, are, we were able to continue to execute on the offensive side of the ball? Felt like you were able to exercise some of those demons that you've been fighting for the first three weeks. And yes, you know, the, the, the pieces that you had built on, it felt like with Tennessee, when at the end of the game, when you had a chance to finally plant your flag and, and win a game that you stumbled before you got to the top of the hill. Well, for this one, you got out in front, you got the lead, and, and you basically held on at the end, but you still were able to punch in touchdowns and score a bunch of points and get three of your studs with big, big games to help push you there. So it felt like this game, you were able to finally feel like the offense especially was able to put everything together and execute the plan the way they've wanted to for the first quarter of the season. Speaking of those studs, here's what the Justin Jefferson thing uh, is starting to feel like to me. Uh, you bought a Powerball ticket. That's what, a, that's what a first round pick is. It's a Powerball ticket. You know, some of them go bust. Some of them, you win a few dollars on them. And every once in a while, one of them wins the jackpot, right? And so week one, or excuse me, week three, his first big performance felt like 
a couple of the balls dropped and you matched them, right? So you're like, oh my gosh, this could, this could go really well. But there's still a really high probability that it's just, you know, a small dollar winner. And then he repeats the performance week two. And I'm talking, it wasn't just 100 yards. It was the route running. It, it was where he was at on the field. It was adjusting to the ball. It was the catches. And maybe most importantly, it was literally that he was a threat throughout the game, which allows Adam Thielen to breathe and Adam Thielen to perform. So this week, you saw another one of those power balls drop, and it matched your card. And, and I think for Vikings fans – despite the slow start, and, and I still think there's hope for this season, but I think everybody's excited to see what happens when those next ones fall this weekend. Can this kid come out and put up another 100-yard performance? Can he be rookie of the year? What are we looking at here ceiling-wise? I mean, every Viking fan I talk to, it's, there's a lot of, there was a lot of good in this game, and there's some growth that needs to happen after this game. There were some things that we struggled with. But you can't find a person in Viking Nation, if you will, that isn't kind of at the edge of their seat waiting to see where this Justin Jefferson thing goes. I agree, Si. And the thing that stood out to me the most, I know we talk about the 104 yards, but four receptions and every single reception was over 20 yards. So these every play that he made and the route running ability – is down the field. And when Kirk Cousins is able to throw the ball down the field, whether it's to Jefferson, Thielen, that is when this offense goes to the next level. That's when you see Dalvin Cook break a tackle and start to wear down the, the, the opposing defense. And it's amazing, the combination of those two. Jefferson just brings this – I mean, it's unbelievable. He is the most exciting draft pick I can remember since the five years I've been here. He is so fun to watch. Well, and, and you really hit it on the head there because he and Thielen both go over 100 yards. Thielen, eight receptions for 114. Justin, four for 103. And you go, you just, you understand, like, we know Adam Thielen can get behind a guy. We know Adam Thielen is fast. But Adam Thielen kills you with first downs. Adam Thielen kills you with possession catches. Adam Thielen can play the whole field. So to have a guy that's taken the, the top off the defense a little bit and making him play further downfield, uh, you're right, Chris. That's a huge deal. You know, I also think with this one, this has been the offseason talker for the entire time since he got drafted is what's going to happen when he comes in? Can he help fill that role that digs you know, vacated once he got moved to, to Buffalo. I think what you're seeing is this offense needs to have not just one playmaker essentially on running and another one in the, the wide receiver game. I think you have to have a multifaceted so that even if they are doubling feeling down the field, that's fine. If you have a guy like Jefferson who can adjust when the ball's in midair, I think you are able to then know that you can't just go one-on-one -on -one with either he or Thielen. You have to be honest on both of those guys. And then you're seeing Delvin rip off 100 yards plus and leading the league in rushing because the defense is not able to sit eight guys in the box and try to stop him. So across the board, these weapons are helping not only Kirk, but offense, period, in order to make sure that the Vikings offense holds on time possession and is able to, to kill these guys punching the ball into the end zone when it counts the most. Well, we're talking back-to-back -back weeks with rarefied air here. Uh, you know, two games ago, we become the first team in NFL history to have a running back and a wide receiver both go over 175 yards. Then this week, it's the first time 
since the the uh, Kyle Moss, Jake Reed, and and Robert Smith, I believe, in, in what year? Two thousand, Chris? Is that the 2000, year? Two thousand. Yep. In the year two thousand, to have two receivers and a running back over a hundred in a game. So this is, you know. As, as we kind of struggled out the gate here and you're trying to set your expectations properly, which I am never capable of, I'm always through the roof or just like losing my mind, uh, complaining and worrying. This is the kind of thing we're talking about. Those, those sort of numbers and back-to-back weeks from your skill positions, especially when one of them is on a, breaking out on a rookie deal, it's, it's a really, really exciting thing for Viking fans. And uh, before we get out of this game, because we could spend a lot of time on it. We could, you know, Chris, you and I in the post-game show talked about Dalvin getting going early and what that means to this team. We could, we could rehash those same things, you know, for an hour. But, but I want to get on to Seattle here. But before we do, I think we have to give a big shout-out to Mike Boone, who had a, a, a game-altering play with that fumble that forced fumble on that punt. He was named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. And he's the, you know, speaking of records, I believe he's the first Vikings non-specialist to earn the honor since Adam Thielen did in week 13 uh, in 2014. So it's fun to see Boone get the honor. And honestly, you know, it, it, it would, it'd really be nice to see. Now you finally feel like, you don't feel nervous every time the kicker walks up to take a swing. Dan Bailey has finally created some comfort in that position. And if, if Boone's playing better here, if, if the, special, the special teams unit as a group could really continue to rise here and start to make a difference in games, that's the sort of thing that can really help out a young football team that's relying on young guys on both sides of the ball. Yeah, that was a really, really big play for the entire momentum of, of that game. We talked about the struggles in the second quarter. Well, that happened in the second quarter, and that's what got the Vikings really going and giving him that extra possession. And uh, watching the voyage on Vikings.com, you see Dalvin Cook with his little GoPro in the locker room after the game. And uh, one of his biggest, like, he loves Mike Boone. He appreciates what Mike Boone brings to the running back room. I know Mike Boone doesn't get many snaps on the offensive side of the ball, but if you watch the voyage, you'll see Dalvin Cook going, Booney made a play, and he's screaming at him, and, and he was so excited for his teammate, and, and you love to see those kind of things out of a young team. Absolutely, and I mean, I mean, I think it just goes to further speak to what we've talked about all offseason and all last season. The fact that Mike Boone is uh, that far down the depth chart on this, it's, we're, we're pretty fortunate to have uh, that situation. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins is back again, teaming with legendary sports anchor Mark Rosen, Rosie, to deliver unique content via Under Center with Kirk Cousins. The series features conversations and current Vikings players, prominent Minnesotans, and guests with personal connections to Kirk. Other segments focus on game reaction with sound from press conferences and the locker room. Cousins and Rosen also look ahead to the next week's matchup. Listen live each week on KFAN FM 100.3 or download the podcast on all popular podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. For more information, visit vikings.com slash Kirk. Put that win behind you, walking forward into a place where we 
just have not had success recently. This is the third year in a row we'll be playing a primetime game in Seattle on the road. The last two have been an amazing combination of both. I'll be, I'm a guy who likes excitement, and they were slow games. They were slow, long games. They felt like watching a Western movie. And then, except at the end, the good guy dies. They have been two very, very difficult games for this team and for its fan base. And it's not going to get any easier this time, Jay, because I, I know Seattle's defense is, is a little – they're struggling a bit depth-wide. But Russell Wilson, I've said it on this podcast, he is playing – everybody knows it. He's playing on a stupid level. He's playing so well that last week he had to – Literally the hardest road game you can play. Seattle to Miami at noon. Seattle to Miami at noon. And he put up, you know, decent yardage, decent touchdowns, one pick, and everybody act like it was pedestrian. Everybody – Russ is so good that people acted like his performance this past Sunday was pedestrian. So as, as much as we've seen those – the games of the past two years take place the way they have, I almost think – you have to expect a completely different sort of beast this year, given the way Russ has taken control of that offense and team and given the way they've played through four games. I think right now the scariest thing about Seattle is we've known for, what, the last four or five years at least that Russell is is the, the straw that stirs the drink. But, man, he feels like he's, he is on a different level this year. The whole cooler now. He's an he's a refrigerator store. He's every it's crazy. I mean, he's at the point where we're, we're only four games in here, and he's already at twelve hundred and eighty five yards passing, and sixteen touchdowns. That is absurd. He's got two picks, but there are kinks in the armor, and we have a chance to make his life miserable. The problem is, it's the bend but don't break thing, and he is breaking everybody that he plays. That is the problem. Seattle in the past has had the Legion of Boom. They've had defensive studs on also special teams that have made everyone's life miserable. And they're still getting, they're up to what, eight picks already in the first four games. But what's happening is they are giving up a ton of yards. They are, their opponents already have 1,604 yards passing. They're giving up 401 a game. And Russell Wilson knows he has to go toe-to-toe and gunsling this thing in order to make sure that they're punching in touchdowns and holding their opponents to field goals. And I think Seattle in general is a very, very dangerous team because all the numbers look pedestrian except for the final results. And those results are spectacular in that they're 4-0 and and he is lighting up the league right now. Well, and you, you hit it on the head. The field is shrinking for them and they are executing in the red zone on both sides of the ball. They're executing in the red zone on both sides of the ball and Russ is coming through in late game moments last week on that on that late game drive that he led for a touchdown his headset went out and I know we're used to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and some of these other guys but Russell's headset went out with the game on the line and he led a six play he from that moment on he led six plays down and scored a touchdown he's just a level of in sync right now that is absolutely bonkers and then if you're you're going to get worried about that guy you still do have to deal with Chris Carson, who Chris is a really, really good running back. 
He really is, and and I think the the combination of him along with Wilson, it's just been unbelievable. They've scored over 30 points in every single game this season so far, 31, 38, 35, 38. So their defense is not playing well at all, but their offense is just so good. I know you don't like college football, Cy, but when you're sitting what you, what's, on the couch – what are you accusing me of stuff on the podcast? Sitting on Chris, the couch. I know, you, I, don't, I know you don't like cheese, Chris. <laughs> Sitting on the couch watching some Big 12 uh, football on a Saturday. That's what it feels like when you're watching uh, Seattle Seahawks and Chris Carson and, and Russell Wilson. They are doing things that you see college football players stat-wise. 16 touchdowns for Russell Wilson. Chris Carson is just running through people. They are, they are having an amazing – um, combination of, of offense so far. Well, and, and Carson is doing it, you know, he, he's only got 237 yards on the ground, but he's got 133 through the air. So we're talking 360 yards and five touchdowns through four games. He's doing it all over the field. And, and you know, I, I think that the Seahawks are, you know, victim to what everybody in the league is victim to. I mean, points are being put on the board in the NFL right now at an unprecedented rate. I think the lack of a preseason, the lack of an ability to gel and be cohesive, specifically on the defensive side of the field. You know, you go back to that lockout year where there, where there wasn't a preseason in a, in a similar way. You, you saw offenses come out of the gun really, really quickly during, during the first four to whatever games of that season. So I'm not, you know, I think the the ceiling is the limit for this Seahawks team because I, I don't know that you can expect their defense to stay down at this level all year long because, like Jay said, when the bolts are being screwed down and they get in the red zone, they do have the ability to play well. Probably their number one issue is is going to be the passing game. And going back to what we were just talking about with the Texans, Justin Jefferson's emergence you know, gives them something a little bit extra to think about here. And I guess my question is, Jay, and, and it's not a question you're going to have an answer to, as Jefferson emerges, when are we going to see Irv Smith Jr.? When are we? Because I think everybody had low expectations of him year one. It's really hard to play tight end in this league. you got to learn how to block. you got to learn all these different things. It is not an easy thing. So I think everybody kind of expected a little bit of a slow start. But then we all were, were, were really enthused to see – how he was going to progress this year, and uh, there hasn't been much there yet. What, when are we going to see – is this a game where we can see Big Irv show up and make some plays? To be honest with you, this game is actually one that I don't feel like he's going to have that great of a shot, and here's why. Seattle has not given up a tight end touchdown this season. So defensively, they are keying off of tight ends and, and giving up nothing. And I think a lot of that has to do with their, their veteran linebackers and secondary. But they've also, this past week, they were dealing with some pretty serious injuries to some of their key guys. Quentin Dunbar, Jordan Brooks, and Jamal Adams were all out week four versus Miami. So if, if you're looking at the ability, if that happens again this week, and we haven't seen the, the injury report yet, but if those types of guys are out again, kind of on that mid to back end of their defense, then you do have a chance with our tight ends to do something. Kyle Rudolph is different in that he can, he's, you know, they talk, they call him the mattress that Kirk can just throw it anywhere and he's going to grab it. For Irv, we've wanted him to be kind of that number three wide receiver or number four wide receiver threat, and it just hasn't happened so far. And I know this past weekend, listening to Ron Johnson talk about after the game about, you know, why is Justin 
peaking and doing what he's doing versus some of the other guys. And, and Ron was speculating, saying a lot of it seems like it's trust where he's having to try to put the ball in certain spots for certain people where with Justin, he's trusting to know that if he puts it anywhere close to Justin, he's going to go get it, whether he has to adjust in midair or if he can catch it in stride. Maybe for Irv, it's it's a thing where he's still building that trust with him a little bit. But I'm I'm hoping that whether it's Irv or Kyle, we need another person besides just Adam and Justin to make this thing go. But I think it's going to be tough sledding this week, given what they've done to tight end so far this season. But the interesting thing here is, as we talk about the passing game, the, the kind of unique opportunity here for the Vikings is the way Seattle normally goes is they generally have a pretty stingy run defense. They're banged up. They're banged up right now. They're, they're struggling from a health perspective, but their run defense is generally a bit stingier, and that's their strength. And it's going to be kind of strength on strength there. And if you can get Dalvin out rolling early like you have the last two games and specifically like last game, and you make their weakness an even larger weakness because you've already defeated what's supposed to be their strength, you could really, really pile up numbers and – you know, as opposed to what we've seen in the past, I, I wouldn't hate and I, you know, I'm not sitting in film rooms. I'm not sitting in meetings and planning anything and, and no one should ever let me. But after what I've watched the last two weeks, I'm happy to let this, I'm happy to let Kirk rip, make some throws and, and, and race off to 40 points in this game. Because I do think the way the offense is playing, we can get there. I, I, you know, if, if you're a Viking fan, if you have the ball in your hands with a couple minutes to play and a chance to win the game, ah, I mean, against a really great team, that's ideal. And this might be the path to that. I know that one of the things about this that we're talking about is, is it feels like the big playability is there, not only for our offense, but against their defense. And one of the things is Justin Jefferson was leading the NFL in 20 plus yard catches with eight. So if you're telling me that, He's getting that one-on-one coverage because Thielen's getting doubled and he's getting the ability to burn people down the field. Those are those home run balls that are flipping the field very quickly and putting defenses on their heels. So I'm hoping that given their weakness this season and what we've seen the last two weeks, that something like that can be a giant, giant boon for us this upcoming weekend. And it's not like they've played slum guys. I mean, Gurley, you know, we all know Gurley's history with health and stuff, but he's still a very good running back. He only goes for 56 yards against him. Sony Michelle can only get 19. Zeke Elliott, 34. Gaskin last week, 40. And I know teams are more running back by committee these days, but that's what I'm saying. If Delvin can come out, if they can establish him early, if they can get off early and he puts up 50, 60 yards in the first quarter and a half and rips a few of these off, you could really, really shape the path for the Vikings uh, in terms of their opportunity to win. The other, the other spot that'll be really interesting to look at here, Chris, is you know a Vikings pass rush that was really maligned game one and game two and has kind of started to come alive a little bit they have an opportunity here. Uh, they lost the, the, the Seahawks lost DJ Fluker and Justin Britt in the offseason. They had three new starters week one. They are giving Wilson a decent pocket, and he's a good enough quarterback to complete a decent amount of his – well, not decent, an incredible amount of his passes. But they've given up 11 sacks. We know that we historically don't love playing mobile quarterbacks, but with an O-line that's struggling a little bit, if you can contain him and bring him to the ground a few times, and like we said, the offense is getting off, 
that that's that's the sort of thing you have what happened last year with that if you can go out and you can be a little bit prolific on offense and then you get the Anthony Harris circus interception from last year or you get a special teams turnover or you get a strip sack fumble in those games if your offense is prolific and you make a play uh, running around a right tackle that can really shift things yeah and and going back to your mobile quarterback what you were talking about there uh, the Vikings haven't had success with them in, in the recent past, but last game it was totally different because I was shocked to see the way they used Eric Kendricks in that spy quarterback situation, and I think he did a great job with it, uh, specifically on a play where he made Deshaun Watson throw the ball and dove and deflected it, um, acting as that spy on the mobile quarterback. Obviously a few sacks for the Vikings' young defenders as well on Deshaun Watson, so I think that's a good test heading into this game. Russell Wilson, we know he moves. We, we know he can make plays on the run. Uh, I, I think they're going to do the same kind of thing. I'm, I'm really, really uh, interested to see how they attack this because normally Anthony Barr is the guy who plays that spy, um, QB spy spot at the linebacker position. But uh, it seemed Eric Kendricks did a good job. I saw Eric Wilson play that role as well. And then you have some of these young pass rushers like DJ Wanham making a huge play his first yeah. sack of the year and uh, the last thing to add is Unique Ngakwe was on under center with Kirk Cousins this week and he said he's like man we're just getting started like you guys gotta have some patience I just moved here like two weeks ago I had to get my <laughs> little pit bull settled in like I I'm ready like literally I'm ready to get going here and and he said we looked good last week against the Texans and I want to look great on national television and one more thing here is we talk about the sort of things that might align for the Vikings to kind of pull an upset. Opponents are sustaining drives versus Seattle. That has been the kryptonite for the Vikings to start the season. And on average, you're seeing 11 more offensive plays for Seattle's opponents versus the Seattle Seahawks. And you're seeing on average 49.8 more yards per game uh, from the opponents as opposed to the, the Seattle Seahawks offense. So I, I'm just hoping all these things kind of come together. That, that, that's what you can hope for. And I'm sure anybody, like, I'm sitting here predicting a, a high-scoring game and a last-minute touchdown, and anybody who's actually important on the team would probably shout at me because let's go out and act like we're going we're gonna to shut down one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You don't walk into a game going, hey, let's, uh, let's be prepared to give up points. Uh, you know, obviously the goal is going to be to keep the score as low as possible for Seattle. I'm just trying to point out that there might be an opportunity here to let the offense that we thought was going to take the lead this year to continue to take the lead and take the lead in a difficult situation, uh, you know, against probably the best team in football along, you know, along with the Chiefs. One of the things to think about, too, there is another X factor here that we haven't talked about, and that's the fact that this Vikings offense is not going to have to go against the 12s. So the fact that if it comes down to deep in a game... The 12s become the 11s. That is correct, and it's it's basically... If you're, in the game. If you're on offense... You're not going to have to fight that noise that is on the field constantly and droning while you're trying to talk and communicate... I just, I, that is something actually Seattle people are freaking out about 
in these games that they're having to play at home because they know that is a gigantic advantage. They literally engineered the stadium to focus all of the noise to the bowl. So like that is something that they bank on having. And Russell's been able to erase that for the entire season so far that it doesn't really matter because they're scoring so many points. But if it really comes down to it, and again, it'd be similar to the Tennessee game and you have to make a game-winning drive, you're not going to have to fight the level of noise and the chaos that happens in that stadium typically. So if it gets to that point, that is something that actually could be a difference maker in the late in the game for the Vikings. It's one of the craziest stadiums on earth. I've told this story on multiple Vikings, you know, platforms since joining the group here. But I remember I was out, like I was about to ride a train home to Minnesota and they kicked a game winning field goal at the gun. And I was sitting on the train and I was like, I freaked out because of the noise. I was like, is this a terrorist attack? And a woman goes, oh, honey, no, no. The Seahawks just won the game. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? It is bonkers how loud it is there. And if you think about it, they literally registered on the Richter scale when the Beastquake game happened. So like they are rabid. They are bananas. They they absolutely love that team. And I just I, I feel like if you are able to take that away from them as another advantage, we'll take all of all of the extra pieces that we can get in this game at this point, because right now they are humming. The Voyage delivers unprecedented access to fans who will be able to get inside the office of Coach Mike Zimmer and have an insider's look and listen during his talks with the team. Viewers also hear directly from current Vikings who will be writing outcomes of games through their play on the field. Watch bi-weekly during the NFL season on the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Watch today and find out more at vikings.com slash voyage. Well, Jay, let's keep this show humming here. Uh, let's move on to Chris Corso's interview of Garrett Bradbury. The Vikings center sat down with Mr. Corso talk about the 2020 Vikings season. Chris, I'm going to let you take it away. Welcome back to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and look who it is. It's Vikings second-year center, Garrett Bradbury. What's going on, man? Nothing much. How are we doing? Doing pretty good. I've, I've really enjoyed watching your progress so far this year. It's been, it seems like you've taken a huge step from year one to year two. Does it, does it kind of feel that way for you in the Vikings offensive line? Yeah, yeah, uh, it does. I um, feel like we're just stacking one week after the other, trying to be better this week than we were last week. Year two definitely feels a lot. I feel a lot more comfortable, just with everything, with routines, with expectations, and all that. So, just gotta keep it going. Why do you feel more comfortable? I mean, you were the number one ranked center by Pro Football Focus last week with your performance against the Houston Texans. Dalvin Cook ran all over the field. The Vikings' offense has obviously been pretty successful the past two weeks. So, uh, what is it this year that that makes you feel more comfortable? Uh, individually, it's it's. It's the same system. It's the same, pretty much the same guys in the huddle, same guys in the locker room. And I've been through it before. I've played most of these teams before. I know what um, I'm supposed to feel like. I know how prepared I'm supposed to feel. Experience is invaluable. So did some things last year, uh, but I think year two, you just, you feel more comfortable. I think talking to the other rookies on the team, like we, we all kind of feel the same. 
guys from last year, I should say. Did you put on some strength or some weight? I know you like those sun chips we were talking about last year with Kirk. Was it the, are those your secret ingredient to, uh, to putting on some strength in the off season? I don't know if that's the secret ingredient, um, but no, having a full off season was huge. Um, just to focus on the strength and conditioning. And, um, it, it was awesome because last off season, wasn't really an off season with senior bowl combine rookie mini camp OTAs. It was just, it was a little different. Uh, and this year is different too, but, uh, feeling good where I'm at right now. Dalvin cook leads the league in rushing yards this season. He also leads the league in, in uh, yards per carry. What has it been like blocking for him in this, in this zone blocking scheme? And then just watching what he does after contact. I mean, it's unbelievable. It is. It is. Um, he is a special player. I think he doesn't get nearly the recognition across the league that he deserves. He's one of the best teammates I've been around. His personality uh, is contagious. His competitive attitude is contagious. Uh, it's just it's fun to see him get fired up after his like have bust out a 10, 20 yard run and just get fired. I mean that's contagious. You want to block for someone like that. And his attitude on and off the field. I mean he's just a great guy and awesome guy to be a teammate with. Yeah, I mean, he normally gives you guys the football to spike when he scores touchdowns last year. I don't know. I haven't seen you spike one lately. Or you gotta, you got to get the ball back from him after one of these touchdowns. I think we'll just leave the ball in his hands. We'll, we'll, <laughs> he does special things with the football. We'll just leave it with that. I like that. Speaking of the guy who has the football in his hands, most of the time it's Kirk Cousins, uh, the Vikings quarterback. Take us inside the huddle of what's been going on, like, when he's talking to you guys, getting ready for a play, it's it's a lot different than it was last year. It's quiet. What is that like? Like when he's when he's breaking you guys down in the huddle, getting the offense ready for the next play. You know, everyone's asking about what it's like playing with no fans. I feel like once you're out there, you don't really notice if there's fans or no fans. Uh, I mean, you definitely notice like after big wow. plays. Um, but when you're like when you're locked in. I mean, Kirk has command of the huddle, whether there's a bunch of fans or, or no fans. He's got command and respect from everyone in that huddle. And so we're just going out there and doing our job, um, trying to block out all of the distractions or no distractions and just trying to do our job. That's what, that's what we're doing. So, You guys came up with that Kurt Dirt uh, nickname last year. It's his little alter ego. Have you seen a little bit of that in the past two we, games? We always see a little Kurt Dirt. I, I, love, to, I love to hear that. Um, looking at the rest of the Vikings offense, uh, rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson, the past two games have been unbelievable. It's almost like he took his first start in the NFL and he's run with it. Uh, 175 yards, then 104 yards last week. Uh, what is the ceiling for him, and how does he pretty much make this Vikings offense kind of take it to the next level? He's a special player. He looks effortless doing it sometimes. It's crazy he's only in game four of his NFL career. Uh, he's got this um, kind of humble confidence about him where he, he, he knows he's one of the best players on the field and he's going to go out there and make plays. He's another fun guy to have in that huddle. We've got some special players. Uh, and so we just have to do our job up front because we know there's going to be some separation on the outside and there's going to be some great runs by Dalvin and Alex in the backfield. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of fun to work with these guys. You being the first-round draft pick last year and him this year, do you have any sort of connection like t- talking about that or sharing any like similar experiences? Uh, we, we've we gone through two very different off-seasons and, and years. True. So um, I didn't have a whole lot for him just because <laughs> I can't imagine going through what these rookies went through this year. Um, but he's obviously he's handled it great. He's done a great job. Um, and I'm excited to see how – how far he can go. 
You you started and played in all 16 games last year. Same thing so far this year. What is it about yourself just to be able to stay on the field, stay healthy, and, and continue to, to do your job week in and week out? Just got to be there. Availability is the best thing that you can have um, at any position. So just got to stay healthy each week, eat the right things, prepare my body in the weight room, the training room, how I need to, and be ready on Sundays. Getting ready for this Sunday, you're taking on – the dreaded Seattle Seahawks. I feel like we go there every year on primetime television. What do you see from this defensive line? I mean, you went against J.J. Watt and a few other good pass rushers last week. So what do you see in the defensive line for Seattle? You know, they're good. Um, They're really good up front. They have a few similar guys, a few new guys from last year. Um, Clowney's not there anymore, but they're still good. It's still the NFL. I mean, they're going to be bringing it ready to go on Sunday. Um, and so we're going to need to as well. I know you were the guy who made smoothies for the team last year uh, up in the cafeteria. I assume you're not able to do that this year with the COVID it, protocols. This year is very different. Um, <laughs> doing a lot of things different this year, but we're making it work. Awesome. Well, good luck on Sunday, and uh, hopefully we get a W and, and kind of get back on track before bye week, and we appreciate you joining the show. No doubt. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris and Garrett, for catching up before the big tilt this weekend. And before we get out of here, I want to take a quick look at the NFL standings and the rest of what's going on. But before we do that, uh, it is game day any day when you play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com dot com boys i don't want to spend a ton of time here on other teams i'm focused on our team but i want to talk unbeatens and beatens unbeatens in the afc bills chiefs steelers titans who's at the top of that list for you chris i know everybody in the world says chiefs can you make a case for anybody else Yeah, I really can't. I've been able to watch the Chiefs a few times, and I just think their offense does things. Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, the things that they're doing pre-snap and after the snap with movement and motions and so many playmakers, I think they're the team to beat. The Buffalo Bills are playing pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good, and it's been definitely – Playing pretty, 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 pretty good in the game it hasn't been fun to watch number 14 in that jersey yeah it really upsets me the buffalo bills do a little social media tweet of of whatever the new trend is of of here now and there then whatever i i want to see them start playing terribly honestly see see i feel very differently chris i'm all in on the bills And let me give you the reasons. And I actually think they're the exact sort of team that can beat the Chiefs because they're really, really balanced. They're putting up points on offense, but they have a stud defense. And their coach, who looks like a buff Ron Howard, is a fantastic football coach. And I feel the opposite of you, especially especially with Justin Jefferson playing so well. I am, as a fan of Stefan Diggs, as a guy who will love him forever because of the Minnesota miracle, I'm enjoying watching him thrive. And I've said this on this podcast and anywhere else I've been allowed to speak about football. I thought we got a great deal. I also think Stefan Diggs is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. 
And it's been fun to watch that. I think everybody feels that after four weeks. You take a guy who was an okay quarterback that got a ton of criticism off and on throughout the year, and now all of a sudden, if, if Russell Wilson wasn't playing, you'd have people going, is Josh Allen, the and is he an MVP candidate right now? It, it's crazy. So I, I'm with you. Chiefs are there. Steelers surprise me. I'm not buying the Titans because of how closely we were able to play them and some of the flaws I saw on the field in that game. But I, I think the Bills, I think the Bills are, are a sleeper there. And then there's all the, the three-in-one teams that we could spend a half hour talking about, like uh, my guy uh, Phillip Rivers and the Colts. But let's flip over to the NFC. Jay, two teams unbeaten. Packers, Seahawks. Which one of those teams? If right now I'm like, which team's in the Super Bowl? And I know that's a, that's a very cliche sports show question, but Jay, right now, which one of these teams do you think is going to the Super Bowl in the game? The big game? Yeah. Uh, if it's between Packers and Seahawks, as of now, I have to lean towards the Packers. And the main yeah, who's, reason who's, why- who's, who's, yeah, who's your better unbeaten team right now? Is a, is a more grown-up actual host way I could have asked that question. No, 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 you're good. I, I just, I personally, I oh, think- Don't make me feel good about myself when I make a mistake, Joe. Or uh, Joe, don't make- There's there's your mistake. There we go, baby. Uh, to be honest with you, the, for the reason why I say the Packers is just because I feel like defensively they they have a solid secondary and they have some serious weapons for for pass rush and being able to stuff the run I just for me it it always feels like you have these giant running gun teams that are putting up a ton of points and and they're able to out sprint everybody but when you get to the playoff time it turns into a points are at a premium unless you're Kansas City can you rattle off 30 40 points if you get behind on somebody Maybe Seattle can, and maybe Russell's having an MVP-type season. But as a more well-rounded team as of now, it feels like the Packers are that team for the same reason why I think you were willing to look at the Bills. I I felt the same way about them because it feels like they're a more well-rounded team. There's a long way to go. We're only a quarter of the way through the season, but as of now, I'd have to say probably Packers over Seahawks. And and I would too, for the exact reasons. The things that we just highlighted in terms of opportunity to beat the Seattle Seahawks – you have to be honest, the Packers do all those things really, really well. They can score a lot of points. Aaron Rodgers is playing incredibly, and they can get home to the quarterback. They have really, you know, that, that's in one of those games, if, if you get Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith getting home against, against Russell Wilson and making it difficult for him, I just, you know, I, I didn't think the Packers were going to be bad. I didn't necessarily expect to be sitting here week four thinking that they are arguably the best team in football. And that's the conversation that they're in. Over to the beaten teams, the teams that have yet to win a football game. Chris Corso, Jets, Texans, Bill O'Brien gets shown the door uh, after the loss against the Vikings. Uh, And and you know what? I'm going to do all four. Jets, Texans, AFC, Falcons, Giants, NFC, can I mean historically starting out 0 and 4 and making the playoffs just doesn't happen in this league. Do you expect any of these teams to pull out of their early season tailspin? The Jets and Giants are at the bottom of the barrel. I think there is no uh, worse teams in this league. That's for sure. Uh, the Texans, I saw a little light from them last week. Obviously, you see they they fire their head coach and general manager Bill O'Brien, so that'll be tough to come back from. But 
I think they're a step ahead of the Falcons because the Falcons have shown they cannot close games. Even when they've been up in games, they find a way to blow it, just like they did in the Super Bowl a few years ago. So uh, definitely did not impress me at all when they played the Packers last week. There wasn't really any sort of competitiveness in that game. So I'll give the Texans the edge out of these beaten teams. But again, when you lose your head coach and general manager, it's it's not going to be a happy trail ahead for that team. <laughs> Uh, Jay? You know, the thing about the Texans is they've got Romeo Crennel coming in, can help stabilize that team. But still, looking at that AFC South, they've got Tennessee and Indy in that division, and I just don't see them catching them. As of now, I mean, to be honest with you, I would look at the Falcons purely because they have been putting up points. Yeah, they have lost some close ones at the end and some bonehead plays that they've made to choke away some of those games, which, like you said before, since the Super Bowl, everyone's looking at them going, there's this aura and this stink that's on them that everyone just kind of feels like they can't do it, they can't do it. And maybe that's starting to seep into their their psyche. But looking at the NFC South, Carolina's 2-2 two and two and New Orleans are 2-2, two and two and they're only two games back from that. So, like, there's a chance that they can catch it. And if you're going to potentially have the the extra team in the playoffs this year, Atlanta's one that if they finally can figure out how to hold on to leads, that they are actually putting up the points to do it. So for me, I would actually look at Atlanta as a, having a chance out of those four teams. I, I agree with the Atlanta thing, but also I'm the guy who every year is continues to be completely and utterly shocked when Atlanta doesn't show up. Every year I act like they're going to be a threat. Every year I say, I know you're in on the Saints. You well, look at this is the year the Falcons rebound. I don't get it. I don't understand how they're on four. They didn't look great against the Packers, but I, I just it, – it, it shocks me every single year. You're telling me Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Austin Hooper, and Todd Gurley and Matt Ryan can't score points and have a team hold on to a lead. That just blows my mind. It's bonkers is what it is. Um, all right, guys. Uh, let's let's focus a little bit on programming and let's get out of here. Uh, check out this week's episode of Under Center with Kirk – Cousins, which Chris Corso previewed during the show. Uh, Kirk and Mark Rosen interview Vikings' brand new defensive end, Unique Ngakwe. Check out our newest show, Vikings Vantage, this Friday night at 6.30 p.m. on KFAN 100.3 FM. Gabe Henderson and Chris Corso give you everything you need to know as we head into and up to kickoff this weekend. Uh, it's live on KFN, or you can download it on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on all the social media platforms, vikings.com, Fox 9. You know, unfortunately, people, I know we're out in Seattle this week, but the, the team here is putting together really great pregame and postgame coverage to try to make people who feel stuck at home. Make, we're, we're, we're trying to make you feel as connected as humanly possible. And I think the team here at VEN is doing a fantastic job of that stuff. And Speaking of some of that stuff, tune in to Vikings Post Game Live every week, one hour after each game from inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Get a breakdown of the game, including highlights, stats, analysis, and more. That's on Vikings.com, the app, the social. You can find it on Twitter and all the social media channels, Instagram, and on and on and on and on. Boys, week five is another tough matchup versus one of the hottest QBs in the NFL. Uh, Final thoughts walking into this game. Chris? I think there's a chance that we catch the Seattle Seahawks at just the right time. Our offense is rolling right now. The pass offense looks great. 
Dalvin Cook leads the NFL in rushing yards and yards per carry. I think the fact that their defense is so weak, one of the worst in the NFL, I think there's a chance we can outscore Russell Wilson. The thing for me this weekend is going to definitely be the bend but don't break because they are going to put up some points on you, especially the way that they've been doing it against most secondaries. But if you're going to have to bring out the beast and have him be the X factor, Delvin Cook has got to get more than 50 yards in a game. They're being super stingy, but Delvin's been putting up some serious numbers and he's got six rushing touchdowns so far this season. Delvin's going to have to be your X factor in this game to try to help control the clock and, and limit the amount of times Russell Wilson gets his hands on the football on their offense. I'm, I'm looking for the trend that has continued through, through the last two weeks to continue through to this week. And in, in a bigger spot against a better team, I'm looking for the offense to come through. I know it's high expectations, like I said, historically, given the numbers that our skill position guys have put up the last two weeks. But I want to see it again. I want to see a big game out of Dalvin. I want to see a big game out of our, out of our wide receivers. And I want to see a big game out of Kirk. I, I start to feel like a broken record here. But this is one of those games that, that putting together a couple of big moment drives, like we said, it might be a shootout. And if it's a shootout, there might be some mistakes. And, and that's, that's the opportunity to put some separation in. So what I'm really hoping to see here is the Vikings, whether it's low scoring or high scoring, can keep pace and then take advantage of a moment. This is one of those games when you play a Super Bowl caliber team, they're going to give you a chance. I'm not exactly sure what it'll look like or when it'll come or how it'll come. But you will get your chance to capitalize in this game. And if the, the, the offense can step up or the defense, whoever it is, can step up and capitalize on that moment, I absolutely think we can compete in this one and, and break an unfortunate streak of losses in Seattle. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. And we will see you next week.